what a great service so far. Wow. So great. Really excited. And, and for all you parents that are like nervous about your kids acting up during service, don't worry. I've got only, only like an hour-long message plan. So it's going to be a breeze. It's all through like the, you know, the generations and so-and-so begat so-and-so. It's going to be very captivating for the children, I promise. So anyway, no, that's good. Hey, yeah, it is Holy Week, and we have a lot of things planned for you this week. Take notice of those. Mark them on your calendars. Uh, um, starting, thir- you know, well, starting today actually, but then Thursday night, our Holy Thursday service at seven o'clock. Good Friday service, Friday night at seven o'clock. Carnival uh, on Saturday uh, from ten thirty to one thirty, and then um, Easter Sunday, three services, eight, nine thirty, and eleven. Uh, bring friends with you. Bring family with you. I, like I said it before, this is the one weekend a year that uh, is a strong, strong, strong probability that if you invite someone to church, they will say yes. And so, uh, so just you know, let's let's make the fire marshal nervous on Sunday. That's what that's all I'm saying. And so, uh, let's do that. That'll be a lot of fun. So we're gonna close out our our series that we've been in, where we've been talking about the life of David. And uh, and so uh, this is the last week of that series. We we started off talking about how David was called and what that whole calling and confirmation looked like for him to as he uh, was 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 called to be the next king. And then uh, his, that calling was confirmed in his de- defeat of Goliath. And then we looked at the fact that uh, in addition to being uh, called, he was and my mind just drew a blank. Uh, he was what? Waiting. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was delayed. That's right. He was delayed. He had to wait like 30 years before he ever got to put the crown on his head and, and what it looks like to be patient on, on uh, God's timing and all that sort of stuff. And then last week we looked at how he was a very flawed individual. Uh, even though he was a great king, he was also, uh, you know, um, a mighty, mighty sinner. And, uh, and not perfect at all. And so we looked at that uh, last week as well. And this week, as we close out the series, we're going to take a look at the fact that in addition to all those things that eventually what David was, was replaced, replaced. And that no matter what uh, our lives look like, what we need to get a strong sense about is that eventually someone is coming behind us, that this life, this whole existence ultimately is not all about us that there's others, there's others that are coming behind us. And what, what are the implications of that for us? Now, for most kings in this time period, they just maxed out that king card as much as they possibly could. It was all about them. It was all about their needs and what they wanted and you know, building up their legacy, that sort of thing. And, and, but David took a little bit of a different approach. And so I want us to look at that. We're, we're going to look at it uh, by looking at two different passages that, that talk about this topic. And it revolves around something that our little video that we watched last week talked about with the um, um, uh, built David wanting to build a temple. He, he sits, sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem. He has a desire to build a temple. And it starts off like this. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting with verse 1, it says this. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest... From all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, (coughs) Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now, King David one day is kind of taking a look at his kingdom and all that he's got. He's, he's, He's got this palace built. It's this beautiful, beautiful palace that he gets to dwell in with the finest wood and the finest gold and the finest everything, right? 
And then he kind of takes a look out his window and he sees the tabernacle or tent that they had set up for the worship of God and where the Ark of the Covenant was, was being kept and, and the Holy of Holies and where the sacrifice system was taking place. And it's this tent. He's looking, I've got a mansion. God's got a tent. I've got a mansion. God's got a tent. And he's like, that doesn't quite feel right, right? That's something about that just doesn't quite feel right. And he, so God puts it in his heart to, he wants to build this temple. He wants to build a temple that's worthy of God and worthy of his presence and everything else. And so he goes before God in prayer and he, he basically decides, you know, let me do this. And God communicates back to him through his Holy Spirit basically and says, um, no, I, I, again, I appreciate that you want to do that, but um, I've never needed a big fancy building and I don't really need one now. And besides that, if it, when a temple, when it's time for a temple to be built, I'm not sure you're the one that needs to be building it because in addition to being a great king and a great poet and a songwriter, you've also been a fierce warrior and your hands have drawn a lot of blood. And maybe somebody else should build a temple whose hands aren't quite so bloodstained, right? And so, so David kind of gets this news like he doesn't get to be the one to build this temple. Now, if, if that had been any other king, um, you know, or any, maybe even any of us, we would have maybe taken that and maybe been disappointed and gone, well, like, okay, I guess it's not me. I guess it's not me and just move on with my kingly duties. But before I tell you what David did, because it's really critical to understand what he did, I, I want to I hit this one point, and it's this. That all of us have, you have the house that you live in, but you're also a part of a different house, and you need not to neglect your other house. Do not neglect your other house. And the other house that you're a part of is this, this body of Christ, this body of believers right here. Now, when we talk about this house, we're not talking about these walls and ceilings and, and, and the physical things that we have in this room. We're talking about this family right here. We make up the house of God. And we should not be about neglecting God's house. That you need, some of you, some, now some of you I know have a passion for your home, the one that you live in. You, have, you love your home so much. It's just, it's like tied into your heart. You love it. You love doing work on it. You love decorating it. You like you know, furnishing it. You like spending time in your gardens and on your lawns. And you like, I mean, you just, you love the whole thing. Every once in a while you, you think, I wonder how much of my house is worth now. And you, you figure that out. And you just, you just love that house. It's such a blessing to you. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Love your home. That's a great, that's, that's God's good gift to you and love that house and take care of what he's blessed you with. That's all well and good. But we need an army of people who are also as passionate and as concerned about this house, about this. And again, I'm not talking about these walls. I'm talking about each other. This church, this body of believers, we need people who are as concerned with this house as they are with the one that they sleep in every night. Because this house, at the end of the day, you'll sell your house or the bank will take it from you or your kids will ruin it. Or what? Who, kids, we got kids in the room. Who here has done something to screw up your parents' house? Yeah, God, I appreciate the honesty. Love it, love it. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, those things. Ultimately, that house is temporary. Somebody else is going to live in it, or it's going to burn down, or it's going to go somewhere else. Whatever. Ultimately, that house is so temporary. But you know what house is not temporary? Is this one right here? It has eternal. 
um, it, it reverberates into eternity. It has eternal implications that we, this house right here is a big deal. It's, a, it's the hope of the nations. It's the hope of the nations this house is. And you need to be as passionate in the care and the work and the money and everything else that you put into this house as you are with the one that you live in as well. Ultimately, that one's going to go away. This one will stand. Now, I, one, one of my goals has been to not just build a house that, um, that is all about me or all about us. But I, I'm, I've, I've said before, I, I want to build the 100-year church, maybe more than that. But I, I want us to be thinking beyond our time here. Uh, I've been, I actually have uh, conversations on a somewhat regular basis with uh, different leaders and stuff in this church about that have nothing to do with what we're doing here right now and have everything to do with what might be happening here 40 years from now, 50 years from now. What, what can we be doing to lay the groundwork now for what's coming behind us? Now, the story of Living Hope, the story of this house, is a beautiful, awesome story. started 15 years ago, a little more, a little more than 15 years ago. 15 years ago, some people decided that they needed to build a house here in Dixon. They needed to build a house for the Lord right here in Dixon. That a lot of people were going to churches and other communities and that sort of thing. And that there were a few churches uh, in Dixon, but Dixon needed another one. God needed a strong movement right here in Dixon. And so a church was planted here called Living Hope 15 years ago. Some of you were a part of that. Raise your hand if you were part of that 15 years ago. Yeah, a handful of you were. That's awesome. Now, one of the most beautiful things about that is that we have existed long enough now, 15 years, that some of you who planted that house 15 years ago are now watching your kids be the leaders of this house now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And you laid the groundwork for that to happen because God put it in your heart to see something incredible and something glorifying to him take place right here. You now get to see, some of you get to see your kids in leadership over this place right now. And that's, that's amazing. Jesse, Jesse Neri, there he is right there. He came up, he's, he's leader in our youth group and he was up here earlier. Uh, Jesse was a young buck when this church first started. Young, young man, still in short pants. And I mean, just a young man, Jesse Bessagini, um, you know, she uh, was also a young, young woman, uh, when this church was just started and, and now in leadership here. And, and I could, I could go on and on with other examples of that as well. It's beautiful to see that happen. It's really something amazing. Now, David could have, when God said, no, I want somebody else to build my temple. David could have said, okay, that's fine. And just went on. That's not what David did. David knew that this was important, that even if he didn't get to be the one to get the glory, to get all the credit for having built the house, he knew that something needed to be done. So look at First Chronicles chapter 22. <clears throat> First Chronicles chapter 22, starting with verse 11. Now David, he realizes that he's, he's an old man at this point. He, he's getting ready to be replaced. His son Solomon is getting ready to replace him as king. He knows this transition is getting ready to take place. But David hasn't been sitting back and doing nothing. He still has it in his heart that I live in this huge palace. God resides in a tent. I live in all this glory and majesty and royalty. God's hanging out in a tent. 
something not right about that. So even though he couldn't be the one to build the temple, David had been busy working on something for a lot of years. He had kind of a secret project that he had worked on. Now he sits down with Solomon, his, his son, who's getting ready to be king. And he says this, now my son, the Lord be with you so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord, your God, as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you'll prosper if you're careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not and do not be dismayed. And then he says this, With great pains I've provided for the house of the Lord, a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million... We were talking in my Bible study group recently. We were reading over the, the, Jesus, the parable that Jesus told, the parable of the talents. And a talent was basically about 20 years' wages for a, for a common person. About 20 years. We're talking in our terms today about a million dollars. Roughly, roughly you know, 800000 to a million dollars. About, about, about 20 years' wages. And he said, I've set aside 100,000. What's 100,000 times a million? I don't know. What is it? That's a lot. It's like a hundred. Is it like a hundred billion? A hundred billion. I think that my math's right on that. Is my math somebody? Somebody who knows? Stan and Ginger. It's a hundred. It's a hundred billion, right? W- wake up! I need some math help. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's like a hundred billion, um, and or, or roughly. But regardless, that's a lot. I don't know if you know about money, but a hundred billion—that's a lot of dough. That's a lot. Of, he's like I've. I've set aside 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there's so much of it. Timber and stone, too, I have provided. To these you must add. You have an abundance of workmen, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and then he says this, arise and work, the Lord be with you. David knew even though that he wasn't the one who would get to get the credit for the building of the temple, even though he wasn't the one who would ultimately even see it being built, he wanted to make sure that as soon as his son put the crown on his head, construction on God's house could begin immediately, immediately. And he had spent years saving and preparing and storing and everything else to make sure that that house could be built. Because ultimately, David knew that Israel and the house of Israel was about more than just him. And what I want to tell you this morning is that this house, Living Hope Church, us as a group of people here, this house is, more, is, is about more than just me and about more than just you. But what happens is so often when we come to church and when we think about church and we think about where we want to go to church, all we tend to think of is what can I get out of the church right now? Is the church going to meet my needs right now? Is the church going to meet my family's needs right now? Whatever. And what I want to challenge you, for those of you who, who will be more mature spiritually, I want to challenge you to begin to and maturity spiritually, by the way, has nothing to do with age. Nothing to do with age. We got kids that were up here earlier that are more mature spiritually than some of us old timers. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. It has to do with nearness to God. 
And what I want us who maybe are more spiritually mature to begin to think about is this. This is not, this house, it's not about me. It's about who comes next. It's about Jesus Christ and making sure that the impact that we hope we can make now, that that impact will be even greater in this community for future generations. I want to see our kids in leadership positions and pastoral positions as this church continues to move on and move forward and do more and more. I want, you know, Jesus, when he, right before he left and went up to, to heaven to be with God, he uh, has this word with his disciples and he basically tells them this. He says, stay close, follow the Holy Spirit. He says this, you guys will accomplish even greater things than what I accomplished. Jesus said that to his disciples. And I want us to be able to look at all these kids in this room and go, you guys, you guys are going to accomplish way more than we ever dreamed of accomplishing here. And we promise, we vow to you, all of you young people, all of you kids, all you teenagers, we vow to you that we will try and do our very best to set you up so that you can just hit the ground running. That's, what, that's the mentality that we need to have. The point I want to make is this. Our kids, and you need to get this because this is important. Our kids will be leading in troubled waters, and we need to set them up for success. I don't know if you've noticed, but this world isn't getting any better. It's not getting any better. It, 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 it is, I mean, we are heading like sprinting in to a, a phase of our history that they're calling post-Christian America. And what that means is not that churches will disappear but that the nation, by and large, will just look at the church as completely irrelevant to their lives. We will, if, if, if the sociologists are correct, we are heading to a phase of our history where people will look at church and go, it really just doesn't matter. It has no bearing on my life. They're going to be, our kids, these kids in this room are going to be leading in some troubled waters. And we need to do everything we can right now to set them up for success. Now, we're a church, Living Hope is, we're a church, we love our kids. You hear me talk all the time about how blessed we are to have kids in our church. Roughly, somewhere between 25 and 30% every single week of our attendance is our kids, birth to fourth grade. 25 to 30%, that's a large number. That's a large number. The thing that's so special about that is this, and if you've come from different churches, you know what I'm talking about. There are other churches that sit back every single week wondering where all the kids have gone. Wondering where all the kids have gone. Like, why don't we have any young people in our church? What's going on? What could we do different? Praying, Lord, send us young people to keep this work going. Lord, send us young people so that we can love them and bless them and teach them and train them. And God has blessed us with this group of kids. And this group of kids is not only our future, they are our now. As they led us in worship this morning, they are our now. What are we going to do to set them up for success? I want you to begin to switch your mind, switch the thinking of your mind. Because there's stuff that we can be doing right now. There are conversations we can be having right now. There's, there's, there's budgeting that can take place right now. There's work that can take place right now to make sure that we set them up for success and that they can hit the ground running and keep this movement of God continuing in this community and take it further than we ever dreamed of taking it.
That's the dream for Living Hope Church. That's the dream. I'm not just trying to build a church for me and a church for you. I want a church that our grandkids will be proud of. I want a church where our grandkids and our great-grandkids will come to still be able to come to church here and they will hear about the goodness of God and that he loves them more than he, that he, they could ever now, never outsin his love, that he is always there for them, always there to forgive them, always there to take them forward, to work through them, to do mighty things through them. I want my grandkids and my great-grandkids to be hearing that message here with this group. And there's work and there's plans and there's things that we can be doing right now to make sure that happens. Now, God has been blessing our church and we've been growing a lot. In the last 15, 16 months or so, we've grown by about 30%. That's a huge number in such a short amount of time. God's really been blessing our church. If there's a weak link in our chain, when I'm looking ahead and looking out into the future of our church, of, of, of what could keep us from moving forward and going to the next level and, and, and just, you know, doing even more than what we're doing right now. If there's a weak spot, and there's not many, I'll be honest with you, there's not a lot, but if there's one weak spot, it's this, our kids' ministry. And it has nothing to do with these kids, and it has everything to do with you. These kids are doing everything they're supposed to do. They're coming. They're loving each other. They're loving God. They're growing closer to him. They're making decisions for him. They're being baptized. They're getting up. They're stepping into leadership positions. They're doing amazing, amazing things. And what they need is us to help them and support them and train them and disciple them and help them become and set the, lay the groundwork for them to hit the ground running and lead this thing in ways that we could have never dreamed of. We need your help. We need your help. Every single week, every single week, there are gaps in our ministry, in our kids' ministry. Every single week, there's something that happens or, or just gaps that don't get filled where they're scrambling to, you know, the ones who are faithfully back there every, sing, every time, you know, leading and doing this kids' ministry, they're scrambling because they don't have enough help. They don't have enough help. And I'm just going to tell you this, if you say you love kids, but you're comfortable with that atmosphere, you're a liar. You're a liar. If you say you love kids, if we're going to be a church that says we love kids, then let's put it into action. Let's really and truly, because guess what? This, and, and I know you're like, oh, great, this is a big old guilt sermon. It's not about that. It's about these kids are worth it. And it scares me to think in a world full of churches that are wondering where all their kids have gone, it scares me to think what would happen to us if we do not steward that blessing well. And so we need to step up. We need you to step up. And it's not hard. Anybody can do it unless you hate kids. Like we, if you hate, like if you just see kids and you want to punch them in the face, then we don't want you in kids' church, right? We don't want you, there's better places for you to be. You know, we'll, we'll sign you up for the counseling ministry. Uh, but, <laughs> but, 
But, if, but, but this is what anybody can do. You, you may say, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know a lot about the Bible. It's the best place for you to serve because you'll be walking through the, the basic stories of our faith and learning them alongside of these kids. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places for you to grow in your own faith is serving in kids' ministry. It's amazing. And when you get to regularly you know, shoulder up to other kids that begin to, they can't wait to see you week after week, that you're their guy, you're their lady, you're their person that's always there for them and that they can count on that is discipling them week after week after week. It's so amazing and it's so beautiful. So we need some help. Look at this video real fast. Go ahead, restart it. Click it again. Three. So what's better, having two superpowers or just one? Just three. Just three? Expand on that. <laughs> I, um, so... So you're saying more is better. <laughs> it's not complicated. More is better. We need more volunteers to serve in our children's ministry. Sign up today. All right. More is better. And we can lead an army, a generation that will be an army that we send out into this community to do amazing things for God. But we need people to help us do this. If we're going to be that hundred-year church, if we're going to be that church where these kids can't wait to come back to once they're grown, then we have to lay the groundwork for that to happen right now. And we need your help. We need your help in terms of your time to come in and volunteer. And Janine, our, our children's pastor, will tell you more about that. She's going to be up here after church with me. And if you're interested in serving, I want you to just walk up here after church. We'll turn off the mics, I promise, and, and, and just, just have a conversation. How can I get involved? We need your help in terms of your money. The, for those of you maybe that aren't, aren't physically able to serve for whatever reason, then, then, then definitely just go ahead and, and make sure that budget-wise we can continue doing amazing ministry here. So take that to God in prayer. God, how would you have me sacrifice? How would you have me give? In terms of your talents, what, how God has blessed you and, and your talents and your abilities, contribute that to what's going on around here. Our most important ministry that we do that will have the largest return and the longest impact on this community is how we invest in our kids right now. And if we're not doing it, then we're setting ourselves up for failure in the, in the future. This thing has a lid on it if we don't invest in our kids right now. Amen? And so let's do that. Let's be that. Let's be like David. And even though, you know, there's other things that we could be focused on, even though we could just focus on ourselves and my own personal growth and my own person, what I get, whatever I get out of the church or whatever. Look at these kids around you. I want every kid in the room to stand up right now. Stand up, kids, and just give them your biggest puppy dog look right now. Just that look when you want a cookie and your mom says no. Just that one right there. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Have a seat, right? So, yeah. So they they are. Guys, these kids, in terms of church life, they are our biggest treasure. Our most valuable treasure is these kids. And shame on us if we fail them. Because we're not being the church that God has called us to be. If we work and work and work in this room and neglect them, that's not okay. That's not okay. So go to God in prayer. Ask God how he would have you to make sure we lay a great groundwork for these kids. Go to God in prayer. Walk up here after church. Have a conversation with Janine. How can I help? How can I help? And she's going to have an answer for you, I guarantee you. She's going to have an answer for you. All right? Let's not fail our kids.
Let's not fail what is ultimately our purpose here as a church, not just to build a great church for the next couple of years. We're building a 100-year church. We're building a church that's going to go further than we're going to go. And the work we do now dictates how well that happens. So let's do it well. Amen? Amen. All right, pray this prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for your good word to us. We thank you for the amazing, amazing selfless example of your servant, David, who even though he knew he wouldn't get credit for this great work, he made sure that the generation coming behind him was set up and could just run with it. And so God, help us to do the same thing. God, change our, our view of what we do here to give us, give us a longer view than just this time that we're living in. God, help us to think down the road in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years and beyond. What are we doing right now to ensure that these kids that you've blessed us with uh, will be faithful and strong and passionate servants of yours. We can't wait to see what you do in and through these kids. We can't wait to see the greater things that they're able to accomplish for you than we could ever even dream of. And so we thank you for them. We thank you for them. We thank you for your love and your forgiveness. We are in constant need of it. And so uh, we come back to you for it again this morning. Forgive us when we fail you. And uh, thank you for loving us the way that you do love us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. All right. Hey, guys, it's a big week. It's a busy week. Uh, And so uh, be here Thursday night, Friday night, Carnival Saturday, church Sunday. Invite your friends. Take a card home and give it to your neighbor. Everybody have a great week.